0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by m Prize Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of 3Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. 3Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of 3Maw.
1: Welcome into another 3Maw. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. Back together again, talking some real football here. We have had practices for the Cats, we have had a press conference with Chris Kleiman, and there is a lot to digest from that. Plus... Everybody wants to know about Grant Bricks and Michael Boganowski, two high-profile recruits that K-State is in on right now. We will get the latest uh, from DY on where their recruitment stands uh, as of right now. As always, we have to thank Holiday Distillery, who brings you 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled, and Bond Bourbon. We have heard rave reviews from everybody who has tried them out. We appreciate all of you guys who have uh, because of the pod here. We remind you again, these are great K-State folks who support our podcast, so please Support them as well. Make sure that you get your 360 Vodka or Ben Holiday bottled and bond Bourbon ready to go for tailgates, the lake, whatever it is you're doing to close out the summer as we are a month away from football season. So thank you, as always, to uh, Holidays Distillery for their support of the pot. D.Y., we've had uh, some open practice, a press conference. I mean, I listened to it, but you're there. You're the man down in the trenches. Uh, so what What are your biggest takeaways so far from the first like
2: week of uh, fall camp? Uh, that there's been no real surprises, and knock on some wood here outside of you know Christian Duffy maybe missing a, a couple of games. There's no real setbacks either um, when it comes to health, and and that's something that's always a good thing to have in in your pocket, especially as you enter week two of fall camp. That you're really kind of dodging all the you know the big bullet, so to speak, as well that can really derail a season. So. Um, those are just generalities. I mean, Chris Kleiman certainly dived into the weeds and the details of everything really position by position Uh, on Tuesday a little bit more, but just generally I think everything is guiding and flowing in the right direction if you're Kansas State, and you probably just can't wait to get to the opener, right? When you play SEMO and you try to lift your group of five curse that you kind of have after losing to Arkansas State, Navy, and Tulane, and hopefully can topple Troy and then the big showdown with Missouri and Columbia which I wonder if the Tigers, and this is getting way ahead of myself, I know, but I wonder if the Tigers put a little bit more stock in that game this year knowing that it's more of a kind of a regional thing and then they had their ass handed to them last year by K-State. Oh, well, see, I was about to say I'm, I'm looking forward to the SEMO game for being
1: the most difficult opponent from the state of Missouri on the schedule this year, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the SEMO game for for that fact. That'll be Tough little test uh, to start at the beginning of the year. No, I think Bazoo's definitely putting more uh, focus on it. I was listening to Gabe Diarmid on A10 yesterday, and it seems like there's there's definitely going to be uh, some focus on that. But uh, Cole, judging by what what you've been able to see and observe, and listening to Kleiman's press conference, uh, what what is the most to you? Well, one of the uh, one of the things that he said yesterday that really caught my ear,
3: and I think it probably did your guys too, is just hearing him talk about Nate Matlack at the defensive end position because. You know, they have that they're trying to replace Felix now. Khalid Duke obviously is going to step into that role. But and Brendan Mott is a returning starter that had six and a half sacks last year and played really solid football. But D end is probably a point of concern from a depth standpoint to me. And Nate Matlack played beat up all year last year and wasn't himself due to the ankle injuries that he battled. And so I remember last year, I think in the over under preseason predictions we did that I'd put together, I had Nate Matlack at like seven and a half sacks last year and and a couple of them took the over and he ended up with what one and a half maybe two because he was just banged up all year I think he has the type of potential to really take off and the fact that it sounds like he's healthy right now and Chris Kleiman is talking him up gives me some more excitement because the defense is where I think I think we're all in agreement the defense is playing a little bit of catch-up just because they lost so many guys last year especially you know in the secondary Will Lee Hearing Will Lee mentioned as well, and Dy, you wrote about him on your site uh, recently as well. That you're hearing that he's he's taking that step forward. You know, has the talent to be probably the best corner on this team, and probably has the best NFL prospects of anybody in the secondary on this team, given his size and stature and how good he was at the junior college level. But he didn't get get into campus until March for spring ball, and so he's playing a little bit of catch up, but. He's got the potential to take off and and hopefully over the coming weeks we start to really see that from him because that's that's where my eyes are a lot is on the defensive side of the football. I'm very confident in where this offense can go and what they're going to be able to accomplish. And, you know, from an individual standpoint, and we'll hit on it a little bit more, but I thought also you you can really just tell DY that Keegan Johnson is a guy that when Chris Kleiman talks about it, like they they think he can really, really be a dude.
2: Yeah, well, remember Chris Kleiman told us at Big 12 Media Days when we had him on the 3 mall podcast that he was pretty confident in his front set, which kind of took us back a little bit. We're like, well, maybe you have got to see it to believe it. Now he's talking to them named Lack. They love Uso. We know that they have a linebacker. I think they could surprise us a little bit up front of what they have. I think they think they're much better along the defensive line than maybe any of us do so far. I think we have to see it to believe it. But usually when they have a lot of conviction about something, maybe it happens over time, but they tend to be right, correct? So I think the defensive line is probably not as much of a concern as maybe what we are trying to make it out to be. Now, the secondary, he admitted, needed to be addressed. Uh, They needed some answers back there. But the fact when I – that was the first question I asked him to lead off the press conference on Tuesday was, you know, you said that you needed to address the secondary, and that was one of your main objectives during fall camp. How far along are you in that? He still called it a work in progress. He rattled off about five or six different names at cornerback, so I think they're still trying to figure out maybe what they have there. Um, but I did like what he said about Will Lee, as you noted, and, and what we have heard as well. And and I thought he talked up Jacob Parrish relatively quite a bit as well, and Keenan Garber. Those seemed like the three that he liked the most, but this is just one, week one of, of fall camp. A lot of things can still change. And then I actually was probably reassured a little bit when it comes to the safety position because he seemed like he knew who his three starters were already, right? Because the three that he just jumped right in and talked up the most and and praised really without any qualifiers was Kobe Savage. Um, It's great that we continue to hear about him and having no lingering side effects from what the injury was a year ago. Marquise Siegel, who was a transfer that they... Certainly, it's shown that they absolutely love as well, and and then VJ Payne, who started four games as a true freshman, a little bit out of necessity, but that's valuable and shows just how talented that he is as well.
1: Yeah, is it is it fair of me to say that I just have more confidence in them figuring out the secondary than I do the defensive line, and and like it, I mean. A part of that is because they've been so good in the secondary, and especially with, like, Sigal. I mean, it's just like, I assume he's going to be in the NFL next year because Josh Hayes and Russ Yeast have been each of the last two years as transfer defensive backs. They seem to—Klanderman is just a mastermind, it seems like, with the secondary, which is what his his background is in. But then— You know, up front, I mean, they they did develop Felix EDK Uzama. Like, it's not like they haven't developed guys up front. So that's why I ask, is it fair to have a ton more confidence in the back end? Because they just threw a first-round draft pick out there who was a guy that came in and almost just didn't even play college football because there was so little interest in. So, I don't know. Matlack, and I I will say, Cole, the thing on Matlack that... Kleiman did praise him, but he also said, like, if he stays healthy, I think he can have a big year. So, like, they they know that the concern there is whether or not he can stay healthy. So, I don't. I'm with you guys. Like, I just I feel better about the
2: secondary than I do the front. Board. I think Kleiman feels better about the defensive line than the secondary. But for you to have that blind faith is totally reasonable. They just have been able to plug and play at, at, in the secondary, particularly at safety. And defensive line, necessarily, they haven't had to, right? Because Felix has been there, it seems like, for a while. Eli Huggins had been there for a while. Jalen Pickle had been there for a while. Even Robert Hentz seemed like he was there for for a while. So um, we still haven't seen them completely have to reshuffle the deck, so to speak, at the defensive line, where in the secondary, they've had to quite a bit. But I will say in the secondary, one thing that they have had the luxury of, they basically had two, in the case of Julius Brents, two years, but in the case of Echo Boydado, three, four years, of the same starter as a corner. Quarter. Um, the quarterback position is probably where I will have my eyes focused the remainder um, of camp when it comes to the defense because they seem to have solidified the defensive line. At least they are very confident about it. Um, they discussed this... He, Chris Kleiman discussed the safeties as if he knew who was going to be his starters. Like you just, no hesitation, Payne, Savage, Siegel, Corners, it seemed like they were still trying to figure it out because he threw about six names out there. Now, it seemed like it was more guided towards Will Lee, Jacob Parrish, and Keenan Garber, but, you know, Keenan Garber this time last year was still a wide receiver. Jacob Parrish was a true freshman last season. Will Lee didn't get here until March. So I, I think the growing pains are going to be there corner for a little bit.
1: Just a really quick point on that, uh, Cole. I'm sorry, but I the corner, to accentuate what you're saying, Echo Boydo is having a really nice camp with the Chiefs.
2: Yeah. Like are in some chatter about him having a shot to to make the 50 year roster. Which is crazy because he had to be like an invite to rookie camp. It wasn't just like they signed him as an undrafted free agent. He wasn't even an undrafted free agent. Yeah, so point, point being,
1: I think Echo Boydo might be one of the more underrated losses on that defense because he was overshadowed by Julius Prince and had been there for a long time and wasn't a heralded recruit and probably we just took Echo Boydo for granted a little bit and now he's, he's making a name for himself in, in the league so far with the Chiefs. Long way to go with that. I mean, we'll see what happens, but so far early returns are he's been pretty good. Well, I mean, you're talking about
3: losing potentially three NFL secondary guys then if Echo can make the team. And I mean, clearly that he's, you know, been effective in camp at least tells you he has got a lot of talent and we all kind of knew that, but he was kind of overshadowed maybe and not talked about enough just because he'd been here at Kansas State so long, but he was a really solid player for the secondary. And then you mentioned Julius Brent's. I think a guy that they're gonna really miss is Josh Hayes. You know, just because he was kind of that utility knife that you could put all over the field. Uh, which has been so important to this defense. Either they put him at nickel or they put him at safety. They move him all around. Uh, he was a really valuable piece. Now, who steps into that role? Do they have a guy that can be that versatile weapon in the secondary that they can put all over the field? It also sounds like Jordan Wright is a guy, a Juco corner, who redshirted last year, is a guy that they may potentially play at safety and at corner, that they're they're playing around with some things there. I wanted to mention, two guys, at the BYU. you talked about the front seven. I don't. I don't know if we talk enough about the linebacker position and how good it is. I know we've talked about how it's far and away uh, night and day better than what we expected last season. Uh, we had one of our listeners a few weeks ago actually mention, you know, you guys don't talk about Austin Moore a lot, and I took that a note. I'm like, you're right. Like we we, we probably don't talk about Austin Moore nearly enough like a lot of it is because he just quietly goes about his business heck his nickname on the team is the machine right so he's not a guy that goes out there and he's he's talking a lot but he's an all-league type player had a hell of a year last year he's back uh cannot say enough good things about austin more than daniel green and the depth you have the linebacker position i listen to a lot of different podcasts both nationally and locally and the solid verbal uh national college football podcast i listen to they, they were talking about K-State and they said far and away K-State has the best linebacking core in the Big 12 and then that was farther solidified by pick six previews a, a Twitter account I follow with over 86,000 followers that break down use a bunch of analytics and everything breaking down position by position of teams they tweeted out the other day linebacker rankings of the Big 12 by teams K-State was number one Texas was number two so K-State likely has one or the, one of the one or two top linebacking cores of the big 12 that can cover up a lot of things. And you know, if Uso Samalo can be that guy that they talk about at the nose tackle position, uh, the, all the positive things we've heard about him, then I think they can be really good in the front seven as well. And like you guys, I trust Chris Kleinman and Joe Klanderman because they're secondary guys to get that secondary short up by big 12 play and have them playing really good football.
2: You made a good point. Um, about covering up here's but I worry about a little bit in the beginning right Uh, Uso's never really started a game named Matlack you know you gotta infuse him a little bit your defensive line is kind of usually is what kind of covers up your linebackers they keep they keep the offensive line off your linebackers so how does it look in those first few games because that's when you're going to have your most errors on the defensive side of the ball probably both sides of the ball. but I think it'll be maybe exaggerated on defense because of how many guys you're going to be playing that haven't played a ton of college football, at least at Kansas state. And you
1: do have some tricky non con games, uh, obviously with, with Troy and then at Missouri uh, Missouri jokes aside, uh, and that is going to be a, a tricky game in Columbia. So yeah, I'd, you could, you could very well stumble out of the blocks trying to get everybody uh, uh, ready to go up to speed on the defensive side of the ball. But Lots to talk about offensively as well, and uh, we will do so. We do need to take a second to thank Home Field Apparel. They are the best at producing collegiate apparel these days. I love it. I've got a ton of K-State Home Field shirts. They just had a new drop a couple of months ago. Now we're getting a new one coming up this weekend, so that is always reason to be excited. Uh, I love the vintage Copper Bowl Champions long-sleeve black shirt that they put out with the last drop. That is my personal favorite, but they've got all sorts of good stuff, retro logos. Uh, it's the vintage vintage stuff that they're going for here, which is in right now. It is what the kids are doing. So we're trying to help you out, not only get really comfortable gray gear, but also make you popular, get you up with the times, all right? That's what you need to do. Get your home field apparel. It's homefieldapparel.com, and I mentioned that they have that new drop coming up this weekend. That new home field drop of K-State gear will actually be available in store at Rally Houses in the Kansas City area this weekend. So you can get it online. And we're going to give you a promo code for that in just a moment. But if you are in the Kansas City area, you can stop by Rallied House this weekend as well. Get your new K-State gear from Home Field Apparel. I know one of the shirts that I saw is the Catscript basketball logo, which I like a lot. And I'm going to be very interested in uh, procuring one of those shirts. But if you're online, if you've never bought from Home Field Apparel before, 3Maw23 with an exclamation mark is the promo code to get 15% off. Again, 3 ma 23 exclamation mark. Gets you 15% off if you have not bought Home Field Apparel before. So get to HomeFieldApparel.com, get your K-State gear, or if you prefer, one of the other 100-plus schools that they have on the website. And uh, be looking good this fall when
0: you're out of Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store, or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
4: What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, Higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting, period. So, take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So, visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to pxg.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Okay, offensively. I mean, I think the
1: general theme and storyline to me would be that I'm, uh, you guys have said it, uh, I am... I'm a bit more worried about the defense than I am the offense. I feel like the offense definitely with the offensive line returning, the quarterback returning, hit the transfer portal really hard with Keegan Johnson, Treshawn Ward to uh, hopefully replace the weapons in Deuce Vaughn and Malik Knowles. And then DJ Giddens, a a guy who was a stud last year when he played. It just seems like there are a lot of pieces there for the offense to work with. Uh, So if I, if I frame the question to you like this, Derek, what stood out to you the most offensively? So far, what you guys got to see with an open practice, and then in speaking with Chris Kleiman, what would you say?
2: I would say the arm strength in the quarterback room stood out when I saw practice. Um, There's a lot of just, I call it easy arm strength, where it looks like a guy's just like casually throwing the ball and it explodes 50, 60 yards in the air. That's happening with basically every quarterback they have on the roster, even Jacob Canuth who wears number 21, which I thought was interesting. So 21? Yeah quarterback jake ruth is number 21 uh so that that that's stood, stood out uh dj giddens is looked even more explosive than when i remember him last um which is saying something uh he is a lot bigger than than the rest of the running backs um uh, it was obviously it was next to do slot last year so that size discrepancy is was always the case but man he is he is a load at this point and joe jackson is a little bit bigger than i thought so um and he's a true freshman that has been mentioned more than once by head coach Chris Kleiman now. So uh, I would have your eyes peeled for that guy um, to have an early impact as soon as this season, I believe. But mm. Jackson, another, you know, he wasn't really mentioned by Chris Kleiman at the Tuesday press conference. I don't think that's a sign of anything um, either way. But at the practice I saw it now, I've only seen 20 minutes of practice and they practice six or seven times by now. So, you take it for, uh, you know, it's worth a grain of salt at this point. But I thought Jaden Jackson looked really good. And then you have Chris Kleiman. And, and the receiver room is probably the one that should have the most eyes right now. If you give that up to speed, you'd feel like a complete offense at this point. Chris Kleiman said Phil Brooks has done some really good things. And at this point, I think you can just say Phil Brooks is going to be dependable, reliable, not super duper explosive, big play material. But he's going to be a guy kind of like Cade Warner was last year that's going to get open a lot and, and be there when you need him. But he called Keegan Johnson exceptional, which is kind of a—I don't want to say hyperbolic. We don't know if it is, but that's kind of a you know a descriptive word there that Chris Klein doesn't necessarily toss around willy nilly. So exceptional caught my eye in terms of characterizing the way Keegan Johnson has looked, and he was outstanding in the spring as well. And you know the you know the kind of the guy that kind of you know everyone has an opinion on right now is R.J. Garcia because we're we've just been waiting and waiting for him. To emerge and he probably caught, you know, aside from Keegan Johnson, the most praised from Chris Kleiman during the Tuesday press conference. Yeah,
1: and and with receiver, another real quick point. I'm going to do the exact same thing to you that I did on defensive backs. Cole Echo boydo was that guy that maybe an underrated loss on the defensive side of the ball. Cade Warner is drawing some real praise, and he's with the Bucks, right? And in, in Tampa, with their camp so far. Now again. I would be a little surprised if he winds up actually making the roster, but he seems to actually have a fighting chance. And that's just another guy that we don't really talk about being a loss uh, from that receiver room. So yeah, they, they, have they've got some work to do uh, in the receiver. Took the words right out of my, my, my mouth, John Um, Cade Warner.
3: (laughs) Uh, Disregard that D Y Uh, you know, Cade Warner was a guy that uh, is drawing a ton of positive reviews from the Tampa Bay bucks and you know, I don't think it can be understated some of the plays that Cade Warner made last year, especially in the the back half of the season. He was huge for this team. He had some big time moments, uh, became really a reliable, tough nosed receiver, did all the little things as well. So that's a loss. Now c- Climate almost also mentioned six-year guy Seth Porter as another guy that maybe steps forward um here at the wide receiver position. I like to see Seth Porter have a a few big plays this year at the receiver position Be rewarded for all the work that he's put in on special teams, being here now, entering year six. Um, So that's a guy also to look out for. But yeah, RJ Garcia, the buzz continues to grow. Now we heard some of the buzz last year heading into the season and the results weren't necessarily there. He had seven catches for 70 yards. Everybody remembers the, the big play in the Big 12 championship, the touchdown reception there. Uh, but he was also banged up some last year. Now, can he stay healthy? Can he take that next step now, entering year three in the program? Will Howard uh, also brought him up down at Big 12 Media Days multiple times as a guy that was standing out. So I I think R.J. Garcia is a guy where at this point, the hype might be real on him and, and he could have that breakout type of season. And they need that because I think Keegan Johnson, Keegan Johnson can replace Malik Knowles potentially I think he's got the type of talent to be even better than Malik Knowles and can he stay healthy that's that's the big thing Philip Brooks you kind of know what you're going to count on there 500 600 yards probably that's kind of been the trend for him over the years he's a reliable weapon who's going to be that third guy can it be RJ Garcia and can Keegan Johnson stay healthy because if so they've got a lot of explosive weapons in the passing game because Ben Sennett is a guy that is one of the most explosive tight ends statistically in college football last year at over 16 yards a catch.
1: So, a lot of weapons to work with. Keegan Johnson, I am I am really starting to buy in there on the talent. I mean, it seems very clear he's got the talent. He was phenomenal as a freshman at Iowa, but this is where I need Derek to help me a little bit. I just know that injuries have been a big story in his career so far, and we're talking about him replacing Malik Knowles, a guy who— Injuries were a big story of his college career. So I I do wonder a little bit about the the durability.
2: I think the durability uh, was a reason why he only oh, played what he did in year two. But I do wonder if he was healthy enough at one point and decided, nah, I'm good, and take the red shirt anyway since he knew he was transferred. So He, he, he didn't want to go play in that Iowa offense? I'm not sure why that wasn't really icing to him. So – I would just keep that in mind. I don't know that the injuries have been so massively affecting his uh, availability because uh, I I think a lot of what kept him off the field in year two, some of it was injury, but I think some of it was preserving the red shirt so that he could go transfer somewhere and still have three years of eligibility. I think that probably played a larger role. To what extent, I I couldn't tell you with 100% certainty, but um, yeah. So I am less concerned about that than I was in regards to Malik Knowles. In fact, you know, he's been here, you know, eight, nine months at this point, or maybe that's too many I said there, but, you know, no rumblings of any injuries. So I think that that would be a good sign in terms of durability. I probably have more questions for Jaden Jackson and RJ Garcia, because those two have periodically since they've been on campus, um, even if it's not known news because they weren't significant players enough to, to necessarily put them on the injury report, I think they've been unavailable at times even when it wasn't known. So um, keeping those two healthy might be a bigger
3: topic. Fun fun trivia question for you guys. I was going to save this for the over-under pod that we're going to do here probably next week, but uh, who was the last K-State receiver who had more receiving yards than Malik Knowles? Knowles had 725 yards last year receiving
1: well, I mean, I feel like Tyler Lockett has to be the default answer. Somebody's got to start there. Has there been somebody since Tyler Lockett? Byron Gringle, maybe? Dalton Shown. No. Lockett. none of those? <laughs> it's not it's not Dalton Shown.
3: Tyler Lockett is the last receiver. and Curry-Sexton, uh, when they had over 1,000 yards each in the 2014 season, uh, were the last to eclipse the number that Malik Knowles put up last year at 725, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, at 725, but that kind of shows, you know, some of the – go ahead, D.Y.
2: That could be a number – I think they can eclipse 725. Someone will be able to eclipse 725. But that two 1,000-yard seasons, that's going to be tough moving forward. Maybe when you're playing as many games, if you get to a conference title game and then a bowl game or two playoff games, so to speak, you can get there. But in general, and something to, we need to keep in mind, maybe for some of these statistical projections moving forward, I know we'll probably have those on the upcoming preview podcast, but the the rules are going to dictate a little bit of that. The rules change. When you have a, the running clock now on first downs, you're going to have maybe a fewer possession here and there, fewer snaps. That's fewer touches for some players um, when you think about it at the end of the day. So some of these stats are going to be hard to top because of the rules change.
1: Yes, but I would say this is an instance where that doesn't really matter because you're actually going to be cutting the ball loose and throwing it so much more than K State has before because of Colin Klein and because Will Howard is playing quarterback the entire year, hopefully, knock on wood. Last year with Adrian Martinez, the offense was just, it was different. They couldn't push the ball as much down the field. Like if you had Howard, if Howard were the starting quarterback the entire year last year, Malik Knowles probably does hit it. Better.
2: Yeah, I would say, but two one thousand just with the rules, I don't think that's doable again. Well,
1: I mean, that was like Tyler Lockett is a stud in the NFL still all these years later, and Curry Sexton. I mean, that was, that was one tough sob and a guy that was really durable and very savvy, Um,
2: and a, a great uh, couple. Uh, and I would, I would, I wouldn't push back on the. Well, they're going to push the ball downfield through the air. I don't have any qualms about that. But I, I would maybe push back on that the fact. That they will be so pass heavy this year. I don't know that that'll be the case. Now, I think that they're going to run enough plays to where they have quite a bit of balance. But when you have two backs that we perceive as good as Trayshawn Ward and DJ Giddens in an entire starting line offensive line back with quality behind them, even as well, I think you're still going to see this team run the ball, especially in the fourth quarter.
3: Yep. Uh, on the 1,000-yard receiving front, I mean, curry Sexton and Tyler Lockett are the only duo in school history to post over a 1,000-yard seasons in the same season. So, yeah, that that's going to be a rare feat. Uh, that probably doesn't happen again. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and I think, you know, from an explosive play standpoint, explosive plays is going to be a big point of emphasis this year. I, I went back through all the game logs, and I think I said it on the show recently, but, you know, if you go back to at least 2012, you know, K-State last season had more explosive plays than any other uh, team since the 2012 team, they had even more than the 2012 squad um, in terms of 64 plays of 20 or more yards last year. And so where did the explosive plays come from? Because you lose Malik Knowles, you lose, lose Deuce Vaughn, they accounted for 32 of the 64 plays that went for over 20 yards last year. Well, I, I tweeted this recently. Treshawn Ward last year in just 95 carries had 11 carries of 20 or more yards. Deuce Vaughn on 293 carries last year had 13 carries of 20 or more yards. So 95 carries to 293, but yes, just two less carries that went for 20 or more yards. And that is not saying that Trayshawn Ward is Deuce Vaughn better than Deuce Vaughn. And that's not knocking Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn had to be the every down back and a ton of wear and tear, and everybody was keying in on him. And Treshawn Ward was coming into games at Florida State more fresh, obviously, because he only touched the ball you know, 95 times when carrying the football. But that shows how explosive Treshawn Ward can be for this offense uh, with the ability to break the big play. And Keegan Johnson, his freshman year at Iowa as a true freshman, had six receptions that went for over 20 yards or more. In fact, most of his receptions went for 30, 40 yards. Uh, out of those. So he is a big play dynamic wide receiver. Treshawn Ward is a big play dynamic running back. And then DJ Giddens is kind of your ground and pound, but also a guy that 79 of his 89 carries last year for Giddens went for positive yardage and the average almost six yards per carry. So I just, I really like the mix and the blend that they have at different positions. Ben Senate's a big play tight end. I think they have the ability to see, still be really explosive. Uh, now, how do, they, how do they handle the offense with Will Howard in terms of running the football with the quarterback? I'm, I'm hoping we don't see a ton of QV runs with Will Howard. I know he said he wants to become more athletic, get his speed up, but I want to minimize the hits on Will Howard and keep him healthy, um, and hopefully that's what they do, and they're just able to effectively run the ball without having to use the quarterback too much in the run
2: game. I think that's probably just increases mobility in a pocket, if anything, so he's not as much of a statue and can kind of evade a clean rusher uh, from time to time. That that would be that would be my guess as to what he's hinting at there. In terms of questions, the only real question you probably would have outside of the wide receiver position is what happens at right tackle um at the first part of the season because Christian Duffy's not going to be available most most likely. And that was confirmed by head coach Chris Kleiman. Do you just the three guys that they could just insert a right tackle that that were mentioned Andrew Langang, John Pastori, Carver Willis, another avenue. I don't think that they go this route, especially since he came back and, and passed up the NFL opportunity a year early. Is moving Cooper Beebe back to right tackle, where he started as a true freshman. You could put Hadley Panzer at left guard, for example, and then Taylor Portier there at right guard, who was you know the listed starter at right guard the last two years before injury. And it took him down. So they have options there. My hunch at the moment would be Carver Willis is your starting right tackle on day one, on game one, when they snap the ball for the first time. That is my hunch, but I don't think that's been determined yet. And I think that's probably a battle that will continue to ensue throughout uh, training camp. All right, well, I do have a recruiting question
1: for you, Derek. Uh, Everybody wants to know about Grant Brick's elite national-level prospect on the offensive line, Michael Boganowski, number one player in the state of Kansas. K-State still waiting and, and very much in contention for both of those two guys. we get the latest from Derek coming up next.
0: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App
5: Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
4: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a
0: member FDSE.
1: was not long ago that we were talking about three decisions that K-State was waiting on from big-time prospects with big-time offers. Uh, Caden Massey was one of those. K-State landed them. Now they're waiting on Grant Bricks, offensive lineman from uh, Nebraska that they're battling Nebraska and Oklahoma for very fiercely. Then Michael Boganowski, the number one player in the state of Kansas from Junction City. K-State at Oklahoma appear to be in front. Kansas still somewhat involved there as well. Is, is there much of an update? I know Boganowski got a USC offer uh, since we last spoke about him. Will, will that affect his recruitment? Where, where do you feel like things are at?
2: I don't think the USC offer will affect it too much in terms of Michael Boganowski. You have to remember he had Florida State, Michigan, and Washington as well. Though we did visit all three, I believe. One of them on, uh, for an official and a couple for unofficial. Um, also Stanford. And just those always seem to be too far from home to receive heavy consideration. So I, I still think we're talking about an inward battle closer to home. KU, K-State, Oklahoma. I still have Kansas running third. Uh, depending on who you talk to, it's kind of a coin flip between Kansas State and Oklahoma for Michael Boganowski. And although there were times we thought his recruitment would finish in the spring... Then maybe June after the official visits, or maybe it'll leak into July. We're sitting here, what, it's August 9th, still hasn't made a decision. It wouldn't shock me for the end of September, beginning of October, and he still hasn't made a decision. So I think we're still talking at least another month, maybe more, when it comes to Boganowski making his college decision on whether it's going to be and I still think it's going to be Kansas State or Oklahoma. So I don't think the dynamics have changed a whole much a whole bunch, but maybe the timeline has as it continues to be torn. On where he wants to go to school for Grant Bricks, four-star offensive lineman out of Iowa, Kansas State was the first to offer him. Will, will they win? Um, they, I, I sense that the Wildcats are still pretty confident on where they stay with Grant Bricks. Um, The interesting kicker there is Oklahoma and Nebraska would certainly disagree. Now, is it just is is it just the arrogance coming out of, of Norman and Lincoln when it comes to where Kansas State is positioned? It, it could be. Um, we'll find out. I don't know. I I couldn't really tell you one way or the other. Now, the track and the path of his recruitment would certainly suggest that Kansas State's probably more correct than Oklahoma, and that they have more of a puncher's chance for bricks than what maybe the Sooners believe. Uh, but I do think the July visit probably helped out Oklahoma more than anyone. Not to necessarily say nudge them ahead of anyone. But I think they probably made up some ground there, from what it sounds like. At the end of the day, you put a gun to my head, I'm still taking Nebraska, because I think they offer a little bit of everything that he's looking for. If you're kind of looking maybe for a compromise of proximity and development and everything, maybe that's Kansas State, and they have the relationships on their side, because they were the first to contact him, the first to offer him, and he's closer with the Kansas State coaches than probably the Oklahoma or Nebraska coaches, but... Proximity to Ulm has really been a big sticking point here. And I know there's not a huge difference between Kansas State and Nebraska, but, um, you know, his, his his parents also work in Omaha, I believe he doesn't live very far from Lincoln at all. Um, very much um, a guy that, that likes to be around where he grew up. So it's going to be tough. I think we'll find out where he's going this month. I'm not eliminating Kansas State like Oklahoma probably believes already has happened but i don't think i would pick k-state today
3: you said nebraska has everything that he's looking for but i assume he values winning too right be what
2: this yeah
3: okay okay well then they they probably don't have everything that he's looking for is you know nebraska is not really you know known for that over the last couple of decades so uh you know and it just reeks a Nebraska and Oklahoma arrogance if they say they're not serious players in the recruitment when it comes to Kansas State because you don't take seven visits to Manhattan if you're not a serious player and a recruit.
2: So. I agree. I agree. And then they were the first to offer. He visited again in July. If they weren't serious players, that we wouldn't. He would have just visited two. I think that notion is more on the side of Oklahoma. I think Nebraska is putting a little bit more stock in the K State than Oklahoma is. So I would say that is probably more the case on the Oklahoma side. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'm intrigued to see what his decision will be, and and because whatever it is, it will have an effect, you know, a takeaway on what school was kind of had their finger on the correct pulse, so to speak. Um, that's not to say if Kansas City doesn't get them that they were wrong. I don't think they are. They they just feel like they're confidently still in the picture. Um, but if it's let's say it is Kansas State, then you could say I mean Oklahoma no had you know, the opposite of a great pulse of what he was trying to do with his recruitment.
1: Would not be shocking, but yeah, I, I feel it. Bricks, Bricks to me feels like a Nebraska lean right now. I would be surprised if it's not Nebraska there and Boganowski seems much more up in the air, uh, more like 50-50. So, and look, just to preface this, like you're recruiting with big boys here. K-State's been doing it a lot. They beat out big boys for Caden Massey. They beat out big boys for a number of guys uh, here recently. You're, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Uh, no need to, to meld down if that happens.
2: Yeah. And a a big one that they did win last year that his name was brought up as a guy, um, that's starting to climb. Asa Newsome. So I thought that that was probably something we didn't mention the, the true freshman part of it, but Asa Newsome getting some run there by head coach, Chris Clement during the Tuesday press conference, um. When he wasn't an early enrollee and when we're in the first week of camp when you're probably getting overwhelmed by the amount of information that you're being given, especially for a true freshman who hasn't done before, I thought that was certainly impressive, especially at a linebacker position where it's tough to break through right now. There's a lot of talent in that room. You have the Jay Clifton's Tobias Insomnias, and, and those aren't even, you know, penciled in starters at this point. So I thought, th- yeah, I thought that was worth – uh a powerful statement there by Chris Kleiman mentioning Ace Newsome.
3: If there's one freshman aside from Avery Johnson, I'm most confident in becoming a dominant or a really good player out of last year's class, it's and Newsome. The guy just seems like a dude that breathes and lives football, very focused on it, and he's a heck of an athlete, and I just think his potential is
1: through the roof.
2: I agree. I would also put Wesley Fair.
1: Mm, okay, Wesley Fair.
2: All right, well, lots of good
1: candidates, and that's uh, evidence to K-State's recruiting uh, taking taking a big step up here recently. So all good things on that front, all good things here on this pod, all good things from uh, our friends at Holiday Distillery. Get your Ben Holiday Bottle and Bond Bourbon, get your 360 Vodka, stock up on Home Field Apparel as well, 3Maw23 with an exclamation mark uh, to get your 15% off if you are a first-time purchaser of Home Field Apparel. That is going to do it for us, for Nick Springer behind the scenes, Derek Young, Cole Manbeck. I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening and watching another episode of three. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU.